Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. All right, welcome to the inaugural edition of the No Quarter Given podcast. We are part of the BuckPower.com podcast network. We, my name's Jason Powers, my tag team partner, Peter Blake. Peter, welcome. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Doing well. We are going to be taking on a new venture here, Peter, you and I. We are going to go down memory lane throughout the football season with the Buccaneers. We are going to, the object of this podcast is we are going to do a little historical review and analysis of the Buccaneers versus their given opponent that given week. So obviously week one of the 2021 season is the Dallas Cowboys. So we are going to focus tonight on this podcast, this episode on the historical uh, games between the Bucks and the Cowboys. Absolutely. Love it. Uh, although the record doesn't really resemble <laughs> in the history that Bucks fans would love it or Buccaneer players would yeah. love it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, we're going to, we're going to go all the way back to the seventies when the Bucks started playing the Cowboys all the way back up to, you know, the last appearance against the Cowboys back in 2018. So want to give, before we get started, want to give a little love to Paul Stewart, who's kind of the founder of buckpower.com. I absolutely encourage all of you Buck fans to go to this site. Paul's kind of the unofficial historian for the Buccaneers. And a funny thing about Paul is Paul lives in England. Paul's never lived in Tampa. He's been in England his basically the whole his whole uh, you know adult life and became a Bucks fan. And he's kind of the un, un again unofficial historian. He's got an unbelievable website. You and I have both been on it. Buckpower.com has video from every game the Bucks have ever played, box scores, stats, everything. So I definitely encourage you to uh, the fan you and the, you the fans to go to Buckpower.com. And again, we're starting this podcast called the No Quarter Given Podcast, and this is a this is a, a love of Paul Stewart's. Our friend TJ Reeves is involved in this as well. Well, TJ, Peter, you and I are going to be the host throughout, so we're going to yes. try to give the fans some good perspective of of the Bucks' history of playing these different teams throughout the years. And going back to Paul, I mean, the library is just immense. I mean, if you're a Bucks fan, you got to check it out. Buckspower.com. Check it out on Twitter. He posts the videos. He's posting all those thoughts about it. It just gives me, it brings back great memories. And then on top of it, I feel bad because I asked the poor guy to be on my show. I had no idea he was in England. <laughs> I was like, hey, why don't you come on at 930? He's like, ah, I, I know you're TJ's friend, but I really don't know you. And plus it's 230. So I think I'll pass. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would do my show at 230 in the morning. Although there are times that people probably would like to sleep instead of watch my show. So uh, I'm just joking. Though I bet Paul, I guarantee you this Thursday, Paul's going to be up watching the Bucks and the Cowboys for week one opening night with the, with the Super Bowl banner being unveiled. I mean, how do you maneuver that? I mean, that's like sacrifice, my friend. The games are that late. So then you got to watch it late. And you got to, wow. 
Woo. It's much better when the Bucks are playing at one or four for Paul. I can promise yeah. you that. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's get right to it, man. We're going to talk all things Bucks Cowboys on this podcast. And uh, again, Peter, give uh, Peter's kind of going to be the, our, my co-host here throughout. And Peter, talk to us about what you're doing. I know you're the host of NSPN. Give a little, give the audience a little lo- love about what you're doing. Yeah, it's the evolution of sports talk television. It's the Sports Web live on NSPN. And of course, I love St. Pete. We do it various days. And of course, we're going to be out at Ducky Sports Lounge on Thursday night. And the home games following uh, that game, of course, doing your pre-half and post-game editions of the NSPN watch party. Yours truly, Blake Anthony, the legend himself, Al Keck, which, you know, go back to history, 1989. He was a part of that crew with Gene Deckerhoff and uh, Jesse Ventura. You never knew that unless you go back to YouTube or you're a Bucks fan. Uh, lots of guys like Jason Powers and, of course, Travis Faley of Rocket Sports and Entertainment, my Tampa Bay Lightning insider around uh, the NFL correspondent. So lots of fun there at Deck- Ducky's Sports Lounge, 1719 uh, West Kennedy Boulevard on Thursday night and home games afterwards. So, yeah, so again, th- those of you guys in the Tampa Bay area, it's right down there in South Tampa, right there off of Kennedy Boulevard, right by the University of Tampa. So it's a very popular sport. We'll get bar. you on camera, Power Man. I mean, we got you on camera. I You've mean, been doing the broadcast. If you're a fan out there, you can get on camera. You can say what you want to say. You can eat some great food. I mean, yep. what other Bucks platform provides that? None. They don't. And if they do, they're just trying to duplicate it. They're faking the funk. <laughs> NSPN is where it's at. Next gen sports media. So. I agree. We, we did it. We did it. We did a, uh, we did a test run during the last preseason game yes. against Houston Texans. It went well. We uh, worked out the couple glitches we had. So we're ready to rock and roll come regular season. The place will be jamming. I guarantee you duckies will be slammed on Thursday night. We'll have a huge crowd. And every Sunday, it's a great – before before we even hooked up with th- these guys for, th- for this promotion, that's the place I went every Sunday to watch games. It's a great place to watch all the NFL games on Sundays, Sunday night, Thursday night. So definitely come out to Duckies and check out Peter. Peter's going to be hosting. We're going to have – he'll have a bunch of guests. I'll be part of the crew as well, and we will be uh, – we'll see you Thursday night. But let's get to it. Yes. The Bucks. Yes. Four and 13 all-time versus the Dallas Cowboys. Not the best record in the world, but hey, that's okay. First game, Bucks played the Cowboys, 1977. I was a young pup. I'm not sure you were even born yet. I wasn't born yet. <laughs> I was born in 78, but I read this in books. And yes. look, it would, uh, yeah, anything with Tom Landry, Tony Dorr said at that point. Roger Staubach. Yeah, you, you just hated the Cowboys. I mean, look, you respected their greatness, but at the end of the day, they beat the Bucs. You hated them. I mean, they, that's what it came down to. In the 70s was the decade of the Steelers and the Cowboys. Both of them had tremendous success throughout the decade. The Cowboys, obviously, the doomsday defense, Stallback, Dorsett, Tom Landry. The first Buck game in 77, they went to Dallas. Remember, the Bucs were an expansion team in 76, so you weren't expecting them to go to Dallas and beat the perennial uh, contenders. No. They did lose that first game, twenty-three to seven, in Dallas, nineteen seventy-seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a real expansion team. It's not like the fake expansion teams where you get a chance to have an expansion draft right. and you also have a real draft and free agency and stuff like that. You're absolutely correct. And 
you know, what always comes up, uh, I was talking, we were talking to people about this in the mid eighties or whatever, when you're becoming a Bucks fan and you look at Tony Dorsett and his success and you go back to it and you always hear this and you're going to hear this when we go to the nineties too, with Emmett Smith, man, they could have had Tony Dorsett, but they drafted somebody else. <laughs> and remember the first, but you know, obviously the Bucks first ever draft pick was, uh, was Leroy Selman. So, you know, that was a hell of a pick by the Buccaneers. Obviously turned into a hall of famer sure. what a community leader he turned out to be and all the things he's done. He did post football before he passed away, but you know, 77, obviously the Bucks were in the beginning stages. The Cowboys were running through the decade of the seventies. The Bucks don't play again. The Cowboys until 1983. They played them. I'm sorry. They played them in 82 and 83 in the playoffs was kind of their next set of games against the Cowboys. Remember the Bucks in 79 went to the NFC title game and lost that memorable game to the Rams, 9-0. They, they saw the Cowboys early in the 80s in two postseason games, 82 and 83. They played them actually in the 83 regular season as well. Um, 1983, the Bucks lost in overtime in Dallas in an overtime game. John McKay, Danny White was the quarterback for the Cowboys at the time. Do you remember the – what are your – any recollections of the two playoff games? I remember the 38 nothing game in 1982 where the Bucks just got destroyed going to Dallas in the divisional playoff round. No, sir. I'm not going to act like I remember those games because I was born <laughs> in 78. But, uh, yeah, that was basically the swan song for Doug Williams because yeah. after that playoff game, then yeah. you move on to the USFL. Right. Well, you you – you let Doug Williams go, and then you get the throw in Samoan, and then after that, you have Lehman Bennett, no more John McKay, who's in favor of execution, of course. One of the great quotes out there in history. Look it up there, kids, on YouTube. No, just uh, check. That, real quick, just check out Brian Kelly the other night trying to say, trying to use that quote from John McKay in the post game of the Florida State-Notre Dame game. Love it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. And, and I, I knew right away where it was from. And I'm like, wow, he used that quote. Yep. And that's how far it goes back. You know, yep. Bucks. people talk about the Bucks history, but there is some history there. And then when it comes to the Cowboys, especially uh, early there, it wasn't great. But of course, it wasn't going to be great. But the Bucks were still competitive. They made the playoffs. I think the, the last playoff game with Doug Williams, uh, that's the one probably some hardcore Buccaneer fans remember because that was the last playoff game. And then after that, Doug Williams left and then he had no playoffs until when? 1997. Oh, so 15-year yeah. hiatus. And people don't remember, Doug Williams, quarterback of the Buccaneers, he wasn't asking for – Hugh Culverhouse, the original owner of the Buccaneers, refused to give Doug, Doug Williams a contract. And basically he was a free agent and – you know, back in those days, he was an African-American quarterback, obviously. That wasn't, you know, there was a lot of speculation that Hugh Culverhouse didn't have a great relationship with the Af African-American players. He didn't pay Doug Williams. Doug Williams ended up going to the United States Football League mm -hmm. and playing for the Arizona Rattlers and all that stuff. And that's where, you know, the USFL came into existence in 1980, basically 1983. Tampa Bay Bandits, Steve Spurrier, Reggie White, all these guys – that ended up playing the USFL because sure. of money. And these owners in the USFL were willing to pay. That's where Doug Williams went before he then went back to the Washington Redskins to lead them to the Super Bowl back in 87. So, you know, lots of, I mean. Well, Jason, here's the thing. We're talking about the history of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who was the offensive coordinator around that time when the Bucs were having their, uh, their playoff uh, 
one Joe Gibbs. That's right. He was the offensive coordinator. Who was the defensive coordinator at the time? I remember Abe Gibran, but go ahead. Is that the is that the what you're thinking of? It'd be Wayne Fonts. Wayne Fonts was he Detroit, was I was, I look, I, I was a kid back then, but I did my research before yep. I got on the broadcast, and you're exactly right. That relationship with Joe Gibbs carried over. Gibbs, of course, right. uh, had Doug Williams come over, and uh, the rest is history at that point. Uh, and, of course, the Cowboys started all that uh, all that disaster for Bucks fans after defeating him, and then Doug Williams was gone. And so. remember the 80s, as we get into the 80s, after Mc, John McKay leaves the Buccaneers after 84, the Bucks go on a major league drought after John McKay leaves. You got Lehman Bennett. You got Ray Perkins comes in in the Ooh. 80s. You know, the Cow- I mean, the Cowboys were down on the downward spiral after the Tom Landry era. As you got into the Jerry Jones, who, who bought the team in the late 1980s, who brought in Jimmy Johnson. So the Cowboys kind of went into a lull between kind of 84 and 88, 89, where they kind of were on the decline and it's funny, the Bucs didn't, after the 83 game, like you said, led by Jack Thompson and the throwing Samoan, the Bucs don't play the Cowboys again until 1990, which is kind of interesting that they had such a long a drought between appearances. Remember, nowadays, you, you see a team every four years. You're play, you play everybody in the league every four years at least once, whereas back then there were probably years and years and years where you wouldn't see a team like the Bengals or the Seahawks and teams like that, it wasn't nearly as much of a fair scheduling system as it is now. Right. Well, you're exactly right. You're exactly right about that. And you get into that nineties and that's where I remember that's where the whole conversation started, right? You should have drafted Tony Dorsett. The same could be said about Emmett Smith. You should have drafted Emmett Smith. Of course he wouldn't like the 20th or 21st pick bucks had an opportunity. A lot of teams passed on him. Florida Gator and, uh, yeah, he made a lot of teams pay, and that was always the conversation when it came to the Cowboys and the Bucks, especially with the Cowboys and their success. They weren't there yet in '90, but you you could see it. They were coming. They That's were coming. when kind of that was year two of Jimmy Johnson. Yep. You know, 1990. The, the a quirk in the schedule. The Bucks played the Cowboys twice in '90. Mm. They weren't in the same division, which I mean, only people in your division you play twice, but. An, but a quirk in the schedule, the Bucks played the Cowboys basically twice in like three weeks in October. They really? lost both games by four points, one in Dallas and one in Tampa. Michael Irvin, Troy Aikman kind of started the, the, the resurgence of the Cowboys in 1990. Irvin scored a touchdown here. Obviously, he was a University of Miami guy. There was a lot of Miami fans in, in attendance. The Bucks were led by Vinny Testaverde, Gary Anderson at running back. You had Broderick Thomas. We all remember Broderick Thomas, at linebacker, mm-hmm. and a guy that I want to mention. I know you that we just had some bad news about Keith McCants was on the 1990 team as well. Just your thoughts about Keith McCants. I know he just passed away in the last week or so here in Tampa. He had some drug problems, and, and he basically it sounds like it was a drug-related death 19, in, here in the last week. Your thoughts, Keith McCants. We all thought it growing up. Can't McCants and Broderick Thomas were going to be a big time defensive duo in Tampa. And it just never really materialized. Absolutely. The expectations for a first round draft pick, especially with all his success at Alabama, of course, Ray Perkins, knowing him and having that pipeline with the Crimson Tide, you were thinking that, you know, basically once again, you were going to be able to duplicate that success in the NFL. And it doesn't always happen that way. And of course it didn't, 
it didn't happen, in my opinion, because you basically tried to change positions with them. You, you changed positions. You were trying to you know, change him from a linebacker to a defensive end. He was putting on weight. He wasn't familiar with it. So it didn't necessarily all work out for him. And then, of course, the drug problems. You just hate to see it. 53 years old. Uh, he was on uh, ESPN 30 for 30, uh, being broke. A lot of athletes in that time were broke. So it's, it's right. disappointing to hear. And, you know, rest in peace to Mr. McCants and his family. Uh, my prayers and condolences are to them. But uh, it's always sad to hear about a former Tampa Bay Buccaneer passing away. 53 years old, my friend, is way too young. Yeah, and, you know, probably for you, 1990, you're probably 12, 13 years old, probably just becoming a really big-time football fan. What was your thought? Who was your – I know you're a big Bucks fan. Thinking of the Dallas Cowboys, Aikman, Irvin, Emmett Smith coming in the fold pretty soon. Got, we're going to talk about a guy – Speaking of the 90s, Alvin Harper was part of that crew who sure. then came to the Buccaneers after the Cowboys' second Super Bowl sure. as what we thought was going to be the big-time receiver-free agent that we were looking for in the mid-1990s. I think 1994 was the year Alvin Harper signed as a free agent. Remember, do you, What were your thoughts and remembrances of kind of Alvin Harper? Hey, we got one of the, the guys from the Cowboys' Super Bowl teams. Well, going back to 1990, first and foremost, as a kid, you can never watch the game because if it was a home game, it was always blacked out. So even if it was sold out because there was a big time walk up on, on Sunday, they didn't show it on TV. So I remember listening to Gene Deckerhoff and Al Keck and Jesse Ventura, and they got me through it. And it was so heartbreaking because you would think, and I watched the game over again, just to remember it, the Bucs, they look like they're going to take the lead. They got Chris Chandler in because Vinny actually goes out with a turf toe injury. Right. Chandler looks like he's going to win it. And in Buccaneer fashion, self-destruct Bucks. they shoot themselves in the foot. They get a penalty. They have to settle for a field goal. By the way, Chris Chandler goes on uh, to play for the Atlanta Falcons, leading them to a Super Bowl, which, yep. by the way, the Bucs trade a first-round pick for Chris Chandler, <laughs> and they could have drafted another defensive player by the name of, I believe, uh, Steve Entman. Uh, of the uh, yes. Washington Huskies defensive yes, tackle right. Indianapolis Colts. So at the end of the day, you, you hear Michael Irving catch a touchdown. You've heard about him with the Miami hurricanes. He wasn't necessarily the playmaker. It's heartbreaking to hear that. Now going back to the Alvin Harper stuff, you're like, no, no, no. Bucks never spend any money. They're going to get Alvin Harper. Right. Oh, we're, we're going to the playoffs. We're going to the Super Bowl. And of course, you understand that first, you're biased because my dad used to call me biased all the time. Uh, and he said, you know what? It takes more than one player. You got to gel. You got to, you know, have it all together for a couple years. It comes down to not turning over the ball. You know, Vinny had a problem with turning over the ball at certain points, but the players weren't there. And then on top of it, when Alvin Harper, and it wasn't Vinny at the time, it actually was Trent Dilfer, who was the quarterback. Harley, yep. Talked about Vinny, but you had Trent Dilfer, right? And you think, okay, you get Alvin Harper as the quarterback, you're going to be able to get him the ball. It didn't happen that way because Alvin Harper was a product of a Michael Irving. He was getting, you know, that single coverage. Now that he was a number one wide receiver, yep. he's being paid as such. He didn't necessarily perform. And the Bucs have had to, you know, find this out the hard way, not only with an Alvin Harper, but of course, a Bird Emanuel comes to mind. Even a Keystone Johnson, even though he won a Super Bowl, did he? I'll give you, I'll give you, and I'll give you an Alvin Harper story here that you probably don't know. Sure. 
First of all, Richard Williamson is the coach of the Buccaneers in 1990, following Ray Perkins. Sam Weiss comes in in 92. You know, he had all the success he had in Cincinnati. There was a new new belief thought of, okay, he, Sam's going to turn it around. He had a couple of good moments in Tampa. Sam Weiss did in his four years. When they signed Alvin Harper, the curse of Alvin Harper was the first series of the first preseason game that Alvin Harper was a Buccaneer, he blew his ankle out on a pass route. He was injured the first route he ran of the first preseason game. And so the whole first year, he was playing from behind. He was injured the whole year with his ankle, was never the same, and he never recovered. Like you made a great point. He was the perfect number two receiver, but he was not going to be ever a number one receiver. He was a perfect number two to Michael Irvin. You know, Alvin went to high school in Tampa. I'm not Tampa, in Florida at Frostproof High School before he went to Tennessee, and then he went to the Cowboys. But Alvin was a Florida guy, so he had more hype and people knew of him. But the first the first preseason game, he blows out his ankle on, like, the first pass route of the game of his when he signed his free agent contract. Yeah, and then once again, he had Dilfer throwing him the ball. You didn't have Troy Inkman. So yep. there's a big-time difference. You know, the offense was different at that point. Yep. Of course, you know, when you go out there and get a free agent, it doesn't always work out. You can throw right. as much money as you want to at a guy and make him a number one wide receiver. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be. It doesn't necessarily mean that the grass is always greener on the other side. With that being said, though, there was another big free agent from Dallas that they got that a lot of people really don't talk about that some people actually kind of say this was kind of the turning point for a lot of players to say, you know what, the Bucs, they could be real here. Not only a Hardy Nickerson, but a Thomas Everett. Yep, I remember that. Safety, and people were saying, whoa, well, maybe the Bucs are doing something. Right. So there's definitely some connections with the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, although it didn't necessarily work out with Alvin Harper. And, of course, another connection in a kicker in Ken Willis. Ken Willis, yep. That didn't work out very well for us. But I tell you right now, Thomas Everett, pretty solid. He does. He was a solid player for the Bucs, no doubt. Tony Dungy takes over in 1996 for Sam Weiss. The Bucs, let's, let's get to the 2000s, mm-hmm. kind of the rise of the Tony Dungy kind of regime here in Tampa. Tony built that, built the program up. You know, he drafted the guys that we, you know, the Saps, the Derek Brooks, the Warwick Dunn's of the world. So the Bucs play the Cowboys six times in the, in the first decade of the 2000s. They go three and three versus the Cowboys. Warwick Dunn, one of the Tony Dungy draft picks in, two, in the 2000 game, set up, ran for 200-plus yards in their victory against the Dallas Cowboys in the year 2000. It was the second most rushing yards in Buccaneer history behind mm-hmm. James Wilder. And in 2000, you and I both really started to believe, hey, maybe this Buck team is coming with Tony Dungy. Yep, one of uh, Troy Inkman's, uh, you know, one of his games, one of his last games as a Cowboy at quarterback, that defense made him just look completely normal. That's what a lot of defense, that's what a, a lot of that defense did in that period is they made a lot of offenses that were explosive, uh, just look normal at that point. You're exactly right. Work done over 200 rushing yards, 70-yard touchdown run to the house. Remember that at Raymond James yep. Stadium. And to me, look, the Cowboys, they were still and, and they still are today America's team. But at that point, it was kind of nice being a Bucks fan because you knew that basically the Cowboys were on the decline. And at that point, the Bucs 
were on the incline. And remember, that was that was that was all sudden work done. That was kind of the run first central, you know, the Buccaneer defense heyday of the Buccaneer defense, the Tampa two, Dungy, Sap, Brooks, Lynch, all those guys that, that we all remember and love. That was kind of the they were on the definitely on the ascend. And you know, obviously the Buccaneers were always criticized because their offensive philosophy was pretty, pretty vanilla. With you know, with Mike Shula was in charge for a little bit. Clyde Christensen was in charge for a little bit of the offense. And, and again, it was a different NFL. It was sure. not four wides. This was a run. You know, the league was still a very heavy run oriented league. It wasn't what it is today when you have all the spread offenses and all that stuff. Let's go to 2001. Mm-hmm. An ironic day, and it's going to be even more ironic come Thursday night. The Buccaneers, Brad Johnson is the new free agent quarterback for the Buccaneers in 01. Two days before 9-11. And 20 years to the day in 2021, before the 20 years anniversary of 9-11, the Bucs are playing the Cowboys again. What an ironic kind of on the calendar of those two dates. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think everybody is always never going to forget, uh, you know, 2001, of course, 9-11 uh, with, you know, the NFL going on uh, very, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. I'm kind of speechless on that moment because it, it's crazy. You think about it and it seems like it was just yesterday. Right. Honestly. And you know where you were. I know that I was sent home from work. And I was doing sales and they sent me home and I was like, I was like, why did you send me home? And they're like, watch TV. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't even come to work. Just watch TV. We can't, right. we can't work today. And it was that type of where you had to be on the phone talking to people and people were just freaking out because at that point you had no idea what was going on. You had no idea if we were going to war. You had no idea what you had an idea was that uh, the twin towers were damaged and planes were running into them, and you yep. thought this was, you know, a movie, and it wasn't. It, it was horror. So, going back to the game, it was ten to six. Once again, you know, we always talk about it in this era. It was all about the Bucks defense. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it didn't matter. And, and, and this was the year that you acquired a Brad Johnson, and you were excited about the offense and what it could do. Right. And still, they were having their problems. You know, even at that point you know, trying to get it together, but right. the defense, and of course they eventually figured it out. That was John Gruden the next year, right? but it was all about defense in this game, chasing around Quincy Carter, holding Emmett Smith under a hundred yards. Sure. Anytime you can do that. And I don't care. People say, well, you know, Emmett Smith has seen his best days. Hey, look, that's still Emmett Smith. He can sure. still kill you in a heartbeat. So absolutely. All right, let's go to the 2006 game. Thanksgiving, the Bucks. One of their rare appearances on Thanksgiving Day in Dallas, Tony Romo carves up the Buccaneers like a freaking fried turkey on Thanksgiving for five touchdowns in Dallas, 38 to 10 Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. And you're like, you're the kid, right? On Thanksgiving, you always see the Lions and what, the Bears play? And you're The, the Lions like, and the Cowboys the host the game. The Lions and right. Cowboys are always hosting. Right. They're always hosting the game and you finally get the opportunity to have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on and you're excited about it. And you had your turkey, you had your gravy, you had all your fixings, you had your sweet potatoes. You got to have sweet potatoes. And by the way, you got to have the gravy on the mashed potatoes, because if you don't, I'm coming after you on my radio show. And I did that for my mom one day. True story, because she didn't have gravy on the mashed potatoes. Uh, another story. We'll tell that another day. But 
look, you can't ruin Thanksgiving with, you know, not having gravy on the mashed potatoes. And you can definitely ruin Thanksgiving. Tony Romo. By watching Tony Romo basically pick that defense apart in a Destroy us. Absolutely. It, it, it was a perfect game to go to sleep to. Honestly, right. the trip to fan, the trip to fan was activated early for Peter Blake. It was because <laughs> there, there, there's two, there's three things that can happen that day. And they all don't have to be in order. You can eat, you can watch football and you can sleep. Now the games are boring. You have permission to go to sleep. That's right. You want to wake up, you can eat again. But at that point during that game, I wanted to eat myself like two or three helpings. And I just fell asleep because it, I yeah. just couldn't watch any more of it. I, I couldn't, there was nothing positive you could take yeah. out of that. Besides now, I'm going to tell you a good, I'm going to tell you, tell you a good TJ Reeves story. As we know, TJ Reeves is our buddy. He's part of the Buccaneer radio network. Yeah. TJ was covering the game for the Buccaneer radio network in Dallas Thanksgiving day. He tells me the story, how he had to have his Thanksgiving meal was in a paper plate sitting next to Dan Reeves the former cowboy and obviously the Falcons coach and the Broncos coach, he's having Thanksgiving dinner on a paper plate in Dallas in the locker room with Dan Reeves following the 38-10 beatdown by the Cowboys and Tony Romo. So Yeah, he knows all the people. He drops those names. He's definitely a name dropper, but TJ's been around. He's been around Fox Sports Radio. I mean, Absolutely. If you hang out with that guy, you're going to definitely meet somebody famous. He's uh yeah, TJ's a Buccaneer lifer and just like us, loves the Buccaneers. So yep. you listen to the to the No Quarter Given podcast. I'm Jason Powers, Peter Blake. We're reminiscing Bucks Cowboys historical uh, analysis. Yes. So, so we basically we get through the 2000s. The Bucks and the Cowboys split their six meetings, three and three in that decade. Now let's get to the 2010s to the to the present. You know. Gruden's go, Gruden leaves in 2009. Raheem Morris takes over. More, more despair. Raheem did have a 10-win season in one of his three years. Greg Schiano joins the Buccaneers in 2012. Lovey Smith, 2014. Dirk Cutter, 2016. Let's talk about the, 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 the last decade or so of the Bucks cowboys You know, both franchises have been rebuilding. You know, the Cowboys, you know, since the 93, 95 Super Bowl, haven't won a Super Bowl since 95. Obviously, the Bucs won their Super Bowl in 03 and not a whole lot of playoff success in this next decade for either team. Your thoughts? Well, what is significant about 2009? Who's the starting quarterback that day for the Bucs? You tell me. Byron Leftwich. Okay. Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator of your Tampa Bay Buccaneers yes. on Thursday night. They open up versus the Dallas Cowboys. They keep it somewhat close. Of course, this is Raheem Morris's uh, first showing as their coach. Uh, and then uh, they basically lose. So what's the significance of that? You go to 2015 with Jameis Winston. He also opens up his career, not the first game, but with the Cowboys. So I thought that was interesting that, you know, Leftwich starting quarterback now, the offensive coordinator, and I'll just say this, the eventual head coach of the Bucs once uh, B.A. decides to move on. And, yeah, in, in, in the 2017 game, if you remember, the Bucs game got flexed into a Sunday night game because mm. the Bucs were still in playoff contention. And so NBC flexed it. We ended up losing the game and basically getting us knocked out of the playoffs. 2018 was kind of the swan song for Dirk Cutter, you right. know, late in the year. You know, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of speculation that Dirk Cutter and the, and the staff were kind of mailing it in there towards the end of the year in a very lackluster performance in Dallas. 
which then brought the Bruce Arians era uh, to, to, to Tampa here in 2019. So, you know, the Bucks, Cowboys have had some interesting correlations and some intertwining over the, over the decades. Yeah. Now let's talk about, and, and we'll wrap this up here in a little bit. Let's talk about the matchup on Thursday night. We're really quick. Little, go ahead. Jason, 2015, what's significant besides Jameis Winston? It looks like the play before he fumbles the ball by going in. Cause I remember this. Right. And then they get a break because Dallas, and that's how, you know, they weren't that good back then. They weren't good then. Uh, they get a holding call. So then the Bucks get the other, they get the second chance. Winston goes in for the touchdown. You're exactly right. 2016, when the Bucks make a run, they have that opportunity on Sunday night. And Dak Prescott just absolutely carves that defense. Rookie, up. rookie Dak Prescott. Oh, oh my God. And, and the thing is, and I'm actually watching it uh, at a wing joint with uh, none other than Ira Kaufman okay. and uh, Joe Bucks fan at the time, the, the Joe Bucks fan guys, and also Rock Riley. So I remember that, and, and we were just sitting there. We're thinking, man, this team, the way they were playing at that point, they had an opportunity. They were still in it. They were they in were, it. They were still in it, and I picked them to win 10 games that year, and I was one game short. They went 9-7, and seven, and of course, right, well, it, that was a big game, and they could not beat the Cowboys, and that was it. But uh, – Talking about this matchup on Thursday night, it comes down to this. You know, first and foremost, Dak Prescott is returning. Uh, is he going to return to form? Because if he does, of course, that Dallas offense is totally different. Uh, and then, you know, can that defense stop this Buccaneer offense that is highly potent? Uh, you have Chris Godwin on the injury report. You have Antonio Brown. What's that mean? Still, the Bucs are loaded offensively and defensively. So to me, I don't see this game being close at all. In fact, I hope the Bucs run it all up on them on Thursday night football. So we don't have to hear Jason Powers that this team has a problem with playing in uh, primetime games. If the Bucs don't turn the ball over, they're going to score at least 30, 31 to 35, no doubt about it. So Please. to me, I don't think the Cowboys can score 31 or 35 to match the Buccaneers. Again, we'll see what the Antonio Brown and Godwin situation is, but defensively, you know, no, no Zach, no Zach Martin because of COVID. He's yep. out, which is a big factor on the Huge. interior. Vita Vea, Sue, Paul, and Barrett should have a field day. Joe Tryon, the rookie, should should have some should have some opportunities to play as well. And again, if you're the Buccaneers, year two of Tom Brady, the execution will be that much better in year two, I think. I think you'll see the running game kind of get moving a little bit as well. And unless the Bucks self-destruct with turnovers or, un or costly penalties, this game should be at least a 10 to 14 point spread. Yeah. I mean, to me, it comes down to the Bucks offense versus this Cowboy defense. And I'm just not sure if the Cowboy defense can match up with this Bucks offense, even yep. though you change defensive coordinators into Dan Quinn, I'm just not sure if you have enough in that secondary. And at the end of the day, you also have to get pressure on a Tom Brady and that offensive line did a very good job of protecting him. And of course they have to do it this year, Brady coming off a torn MCL. Yep. So once again, it comes down to protecting Tom Brady. If you give him the time, he will absolutely pick you apart. And I think that's what happens on Thursday night. I agree. I agree. And, it and it's going to be electric in that building with them unveiling the Super Bowl banner, NBC, Al Michaels, Collinsworth and the whole crew. You know, you, you got Ed, we got Ed Sheeran in town on Thursday doing a concert pregame. That's going to be you're, awesome. You're a big uh, Ed Sheeran fan, aren't you? Not really, not really. <laughs> I'm more, I'm more, I, 
I'm more of an Adele fan. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I <laughs> Taylor Hello. Swift. Where's Taylor Swift when we need her? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. I have sisters. Don't judge me. Ah, I got you. <laughs> well, folks, we appreciate you fo- fo- listening to us in our inaugural episode of the No Quarter Given Podcast. We're going to do this every week. We're going to talk next week. We're going to talk Atlanta Falcons, history of the Falcons in the Ooh. Buccaneers. Again, Peter, tell us, tell the audience where they can find you one more time and about Thursday night at our, at our remote. Yeah, definitely. NSPN. And of course, I love St. Pete. It's the sports web, the evolution of sports talk television. Uh, just go friend me on Facebook, Peter H. Blake, and definitely join us at Ducky Sports Lounge. Uh, 1719 West Kennedy Boulevard. We'll be there. Yours truly along with the power man himself, Jason Powers, Al Keck, Blake Anthony, all the guys from this great platform called NSPN. And of course, how do we finish off the sports web? Bring your passion, bring your excitement. Just don't bring any nonsense. I'm your host, Peter Blake giving you something to think about and you can find my podcast the powers on sports podcast and all the various podcast platforms we've got peter on as a guest everyone frequently tj reeves we do a lot of stuff with buccaneer uh in and around the buccaneer organization and news so find us and again no quarter given podcast we're part of the buckpower.com podcast network Definitely check out the website. You'll see the podcast most likely posted there as well. Tell your friends about it. We'll be back next week to preview Bucks Falcons historically. So thanks for joining us, folks. And we'll see you next time on the No Quarter Given Podcast. Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given Podcast. And make sure for the best in historical Buck coverage, you go to BuckPower.com. And as always, keep listening to the BuckPower.com Podcast Network.